Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, listeners. Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki a service that helps you find native speakers and qualified English teachers for online conversations and lessons. If you really want to make faster progress in your spoken fluency, then you've got to try this service. They have thousands of native speakers to choose from. It's more flexible and affordable than lessons in a language school. And you can have all the lessons and conversations from the comfort of your own home. Go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk to sign up free and check out some teachers. And when you make a purchase, italki will give you 100 italki credits, which is the equivalent of about $10 of free lessons. And that's only if you uh, are a Luke's English podcast listener and you go via teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk. It makes total sense that italki has partnered with Luke's English Podcast. It's a great combination for your English. Visit teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk to get started or just click an italki logo on my website. Now let's begin this episode and here we go. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, podcast people. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. How are you? This uh, episode is called More Misheard Lyrics. And uh, so the last Misheard Lyrics episode was pretty popular. Uh, That was number 281. That was pretty popular. And since then, I've had several shouts of more, more from the Luke's English Podcast community. So here we go again. Here's another one. Um, What is this all about? Well, first of all, this is a sequel to a previous episode of Luke's English Podcast, and that one is number 281, Misheard Lyrics. So you could listen to that one before you listen to this. Um, Basically, this episode is all about those moments when you mishear song lyrics. You know, you might listen to lyrics in songs, and for one reason or another, you might completely misunderstand what they're saying. The most famous example of this is probably Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix which actually sounds like he's it sounds like he's singing kiss this guy excuse me while i kiss this guy it sounds like he's singing kiss this guy when in fact he's singing excuse me while i kiss the sky kiss the sky right now although hendrix knew that it sounded ambiguous he he in fact he would sometimes sing live excuse me while i kiss this guy Uh, even though the original lyrics were Kiss the Sky, just to mess with people's heads. But that's probably the most famous example of a misheard lyric, uh, Jimi Hendrix um, and Purple Haze. Now, there are loads and loads and loads of examples of misheard lyrics or commonly misheard lyrics out there in the world. Um, And these things might happen. uh, These misheard lyrics could be due to the way that the singers don't fully pronounce words, or it could just be the result of connected speech. You know, the way that words are all connected together, which makes it sound like the singers are actually singing something else. Or it could just be that 
I'm looking for weird lyrics when in fact they're not there just because I enjoy it when singers uh, sort of sing something else. But it's not just me. In fact, everyone experiences it, including native speakers of English. Uh, so it's not just, you know, learners of English who experience this. So if you do hear miss, if you if you do mishear song lyrics from time to time, then don't worry because you're not alone. In fact, a lot of songs I listen to, I've got no idea what the people are singing, to be honest with you, uh, because maybe the, the volume level of the voice is too low or because they sing too quickly. Uh, and, and also because in songs, the lyrics are often quite poetic. And so they talk about weird things that don't necessarily make much sense. Um, but you should know that misheard song lyrics or mishearing song lyrics is a common phenomenon and in fact, misheard lyrics have their own name. They're called mondegreens, which is the, the commonly sort of used word to describe those lyrics in songs that you don't really hear properly. They're called mondegreens. And for me, mondegreens or misheard lyrics are a lot of fun because they bring new meanings to a song, often meanings which are entirely at odds with the intended message of the songwriter. And it's just fun to let your imagination run wild and just picture and speculate on what those misheard lyrics really, really mean. And if you don't hear, if you don't mishear the song lyrics, if you in fact hear them correctly, then that's great too. It just means that your listening is very good. So let's go through another list, another list of misheard lyrics. I'm going to play you some song extracts, and then we will just have fun speculating about the what about what the singer is really singing and what they actually mean. And if you can't hear the misheard versions, um, like if you can only hear the, the proper intended versions of the lyrics, then that's fine. But you might need to just suspend your disbelief a little bit just for fun, okay? So I will aim to clarify the real lyrics being sung, and you can find all, the, all of the song and artist titles of these tunes on the page for this episode at teacherluke.co.uk. Oh, and by the way, there might be, in fact, there probably will be some rude content in this episode, okay? That means there could be some references to sex and also some swearing, you know, some rude words. So I just thought I'd let you know that right now at the beginning. Now, I've divided these misheard lyrics into categories. And the categories are, first of all, we have animals. So song lyrics that refer to animals. Um, we have um, song lyrics that refer to food. So we've got animals, food, um, people as well. Um, then we have also just some rude stuff, some sort of sexually related stuff, so rude stuff. Um, we've got a category category called smoking weed. So that's a couple of songs that sound like they're, they're talking about smoking weed. And then finally, we just have some random stuff, so sort of random general stuff as well. And you're going to hear from artists such as Macy Gray, Def Leppard, uh, Kings of Leon, NSYNC, Dido, The Beatles, Fleetwood Mac, Nirvana, um, The White Stripes, The Moody Blues, Metallica, uh, Olivia Newton-John, The Weather Girls, Foo Fighters, Shakira, Johnny Nash, Paul Young, Rolling Stones, Destiny Child, David Bowie, Bob Dylan, Alanis Morissette, uh, Daft Punk, and Pat Benatar. Okay, so loads of different bits of music and different artists and hopefully some fun with silly misheard lyrics. And we're going to start with the category uh, of animals. 
And in fact, Pat Benatar is first. Do you remember Pat Benatar? She was kind of famous in the 80s. She was a female sort of rock singer. And uh, in this song, which may be her biggest hit, it sounds like she's asking us, She's. it sounds like she's asking you to hit her with with a fish. Okay, oh, hit me with a fish. Not something you say every day. Oh, God. Oh, I see you've got a fish. Go on, hit me with your fish. Now, in fact, in fact, the fish in question is a shark. So hit me with your pet shark. It sounds like what she's singing. Hit me with your pet shark. See what you think. Is it just me, or is she begging you to hit her with your pet shark? That's okay. Don't do it. Hit me with your pet shark. Why don't you hit me with your pet shark? Hit me with your pet shark, really? Now maybe I I don't maybe I don't want to hit you with my pet shark, Pat. What kind of freak are you? First of all, not only is that potentially hazardous to you but it's almost certainly going to be fatal to the shark. And I I really don't want to kill my shark just to please you. I mean, I like you. I, I want to please you. But I, that doesn't mean I want to sacrifice the life of my pet shark. You know, I like having a pet shark. It's, it's a fucking pet shark, for Pete's sake. I've got a pet shark. It's not just a fish. It's a shark. It's awesome. So no, Pat Benatar, no, I will not hit you with my pet shark. And then probably at that point, Pat will say, well, you're just not cool, man. I don't want to hang out with a dude who isn't even prepared to hit me with his pet fish, even if it is a shark, you know? I'm from Hollywood, man. And there we all, we're all hitting each other with our pets, man. It's no big deal. I thought you liked to party, man. But it turns out you just care about your shark. Well, it's not even a proper shark, man. It's not even a tiger shark or a great white shark. It's just some crummy, crummy mud shark or a dogfish or something. And then you say to her, yeah, okay, fair enough, Pat. It is no big deal. Um, So let's not worry about it. Do you want a cup of tea? Let's have a cup of tea, and then I'll hit you with my pet shark. And she goes, now you're talking. I think I love you. And that's how you get Pat Benatar into bed. Okay, so a bit of advice. If you ever meet Pat Benatar... Just make sure you've got a pet shark on hand because that's that's what she's into. Um, obviously, that's not what she's singing. Did you notice what she's really singing? She's actually singing, hit me with your best shot. Hit me with your best shot. Which is like, do your best, basically. Hit me with your best shot. I still think it sounds like, hit me with your pet shark, to be honest. And from now on, whenever I hear this song, that's what she's singing, as far as I'm concerned. Why don't you hit me with your pet shark? Yeah, okay. Why don't you hit me with your pet shark? I like the way she's making a suggestion as well. Um, 
why don't you hit me with your pet shark? That might be fun, wouldn't it? It's like, you could hit me with your pet shark. What should we do now, Pat? Uh, I see you've got a pet shark. Why don't you hit me with it? Uh, Okay. Now let's move on to uh, one of the biggest hits of the last few years, and that is Daft Punk with the track Get Lucky, which we all know it was the soundtrack to the summer of like 2014 and probably the summer of 2015 too, and arguably the summer of 2013. I can't remember when the song came out. But anyway, in this song, Daft Punk, um, joined by Pharrell Williams and, um, what's his name, Niall Rogers, they, uh, they're singing about rubbing a Mexican monkey. Have you ever heard that? Uh, they're, they're singing about the joys of taking a, a Mexican primate, a Mexican monkey, and rubbing it. Okay, I don't know why they're rubbing it. I don't know if they're rubbing it inappropriately or if they're rubbing it in a nice way. Like, oh, little monkey. Oh, there you go. You okay? You're warm enough. You know, the way you might rub its back to keep it warm. Or maybe they're rubbing it in a sort of, uh, in, a, in an, in an, in, in, maybe they're rubbing it in an inappropriate way. I don't know. But anyway, they're, they're, they're glad to sing about it in this song, uh, which, um, which you're going to hear now. So does it sound to you like they're saying, we rub a Mexican monkey? We rub a Mexican monkey. It does to me. We're up all night to get lucky. Right, not that bit, obviously, but uh, We're up all night. this bit. We're up Mexican. We rub up Mexican. We rub up Mexican monkey. 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 We rub a 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 Mexican monkey. We rub a. Are you sure it's legal to rub a Mexican monkey? Is it just the Mexican monkeys that you can rub? Maybe there's like a, a gap in the law or something that means that yeah, you can't rub an American monkey. That's illegal. But if you can get a monkey from Mexico, then go ahead. You can rub that as much as you like. And maybe it's difficult to get a Mexican monkey. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's why they're like, yeah, we're the best because we've got a Mexican monkey and we're going to rub it. May- and, and is it appropriate to write a song about that? I don't know. I mean, it, it certainly was a big hit, this song. A big hit, a big popular song about the abuse of an American primate. Everyone really got behind this song in the summer of 2014, didn't they? Certainly where, I, where I'm where i living, every party, everyone was partying and dancing. Yeah, we rub a Mexican monkey. Everyone was rubbing a Mexican monkey in 2014. And meanwhile, one poor little Mexican monkey is either feeling very happy or he's feeling exploited and maybe a little bit abused as well. This poor little Mexican monkey... He just went to the USA just for a chance of a better life. He fell in with the wrong crowd. And then some of them are sort of hitting each other with their pets and stuff like that. And the monkey's going, oh, what's going on here? What is going on? That's a Mexican monkey's voice. And then a group of these party people start playing around with the Mexican monkey. And next thing you know, they're rubbing him inappropriately. And uh, they're even bloody singing a song about it. Mexican monkey, we're up a Mexican monkey, we're up 
Okay, so obviously the real lyric is, in fact, we're up all night to get lucky. We're up all night to get lucky, but I prefer the the story about the Mexican monkey, to be honest with you. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Now, uh, this song is by Alanis Morissette. Do you remember her? Alanis Morissette. Some of you will be too young to know who she is, but in the 90s, Alanis Morissette was like a huge star, and she wrote kind of angsty... Uh, angsty sort of songs full of angst, you know, full of uh, pain and uh, 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 the pain of of relationships and stuff like that. She was a kind of grunge-influenced pop musician. Um, And this is one of her biggest hits. It was called You Ought to Know. And uh, it's all about, I I think it's all about a breakup. And you know in a breakup, you know when you're arguing with your partner and you're breaking up and you kind of bring up stuff that's happened in the past in the argument. You kind of, you're trying to win points against the person you're arguing with and you're mentioning things like maybe you're talking about the good things that you did in the relationship to prove that you were a good partner, right? You know, I did this. What about that holiday? I paid for that holiday. And now this, you know, what have you ever done for me? I've done nothing but care for you. I bought the holiday. I pay for this bloody apartment for goodness sake. You know, that kind of thing. Now, um, in this case, it sounds like Alanis Morissette is singing about an argument like that. And at one point, she she says, it's not fair for you to remind me of something. So she's saying, it's not fair that you remind me of, of the thing that you gave me. And in this case, the thing that he gave to her is a cross-eyed bear. Okay, now... Um, so apparently he gave her a bear, which is quite a big thing. I mean, we like pets, don't we, in, um, in, in our culture? I mean, we've already dealt with the fact that uh, we enjoy hitting each other with our pets and rubbing our pets as well in, in an inappropriate way sometimes. In this case, people are giving pets or large dangerous animals to each other as gifts. And in this case, it's not just a bear, but a cross-eyed bear. Now, if something is cross-eyed, it means that the eyes don't point in the same direction maybe one of them is pointing in a little bit and it makes you look kind of stupid you know if you've got if you're cross-eyed one eye is pointing in a little bit and they're not pointing in the same direction it makes you look stupid so apparently Alanis Morissette's boyfriend gave her a cross-eyed bear which um I mean it's certainly a rare present it's not something you get all the time it's certainly unique and I expect that Alanis Morissette was very sort of happy to receive it at the time. Like, oh, wow, you've got me a bear. Not just any bear. This is a cross-eyed bear. There's only three of them in the world. And at the time, it was probably like a very big deal. And now they're having this breakup argument. And the boyfriend's like, yeah, what about that? What about that cross-eyed bear that I, I gave you? Huh? And she's like, oh, it's not fair to, for you to bring that up now. And then she sings in the song, it's not fair to remind me of the cross-eyed bear that you gave to me. Uh, What do you think? Let's have a listen to um, Alanis Morissette singing about a cross-eyed bear in the middle of a passionate argument. All right. 
So, in fact, she's not singing, singing it's not fair uh, to remind me of the cross-eyed bear that you gave to me, but in fact, it's not fair to deny me the cross-eyed bear that you gave to me. So, apparently, he's even saying to her, all right, you, you can't have the cross-eyed bear anymore. If we're splitting up, I'm taking the bear. And she's going, no, it's not fair for you to deny me the cross-eyed bear that you gave to me. It's not- Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, that is an argument stopper, you know, because you can't argue with the gift of a cross-eyed bear, can you? No, you can't. Now, in fact, of course, the real lyric, did you hear it? She says, it's not fair to remind me of the cross I bear that you gave to me, which which makes less sense to me. I, I think it's better that she's singing about a, a partially sighted bear that was given to her as a gift. I think that is a lot more satisfying. Uh, so the cross I bear, if you bear a cross, it's like you have a burden, you carry a burden, like the way Jesus bore a cross. You know, the way Jesus carried a burden. Um, literally, it was a cross. Um, anyway, so if you bear a cross, it means you you, you you carry some sort of burden. But I much prefer the fact that she's singing about a half-blind bear. Okay, let's move on to one of the great artists of our time, the singer-songwriter Bob Dylan, and um, his song Blowing in the Wind, which is one of his early uh, early popular songs. And what I didn't realise, that Bob Dylan was friends with insects. Okay? Yeah. All right. So um, he's singing about, you know, how it's... Uh, life is a mystery and, you know, the place of man on earth is uh, unknown and we don't really understand what we're doing here. Oh, and by the way, uh, I'm friends with the ants. The ants um, are my friends. Okay, let's see if it sounds like he's singing, singing the ants are my friends, which is a bit random that he would be singing that. But uh, here we go. We're going to listen to the first sort of few seconds of the song. Tell me if you think it sounds like he's saying, the, the, the ants are my friends. How many roads must a man walk down Before you call him a man Yes, and how many seas must a white dove see Before she sleeps in the sand Yes, and how many times must the cannonballs fly Before they're full of a band The ants are my friends What? The ants are my friends? Really? Full of a band The ants are my friends Okay, fair enough. I mean, um, it's it's good that you... So have a have a relationship with insects, Bob. I mean, no one else likes ants, really. I mean, especially if there's a large colony of ants in your garden. Most people will pour boiling water all over them to get rid of them, you know. But not Bob Dylan, no, because the ants are his friends. Okay, that's a bit crap, isn't it, that one? <laughs> it is a little bit. What he's actually saying is the answer, my friend. The answer, or the answer. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind, which is a great song. It is. It really is. Now, from one great artist to another, we now have David Bowie. 
David Bowie. Now we've got David Bowie. Now, in this song, I, I think David Bowie has been considering a career change in, in this song. He's obviously been thinking, I've been doing I've been doing music and I've been making records for about a decade now, and I thought it might be time to follow in the footsteps of my friend Roger Daltrey and and go into salmon fishing. Okay. That was a David Bowie impression. <laughs> uh, so David Bowie is maybe thinking about um, uh, going into production of uh, Salmon in this song. It sounds like he's singing, Don't you wonder sometimes about salmon fishing. Okay, now does it sound like he's singing about salmon fishing in this classic song uh, by David Bowie? Let's find out, shall we? Uh, here we go. About salmon fishing. About salmon fishing. Well, yes, occasionally, David. Yes, I do wonder about salmon fishing. I do. I wonder how they manage to catch so many salmon, and yet there are still plenty to go around for everyone to eat. Do they just keep the salmon in a, like a big lake or something and then pull them out with a net? Or do they use like fishing rods and, and fish for them in the normal way? And how much movement do these salmon get? I mean, are they all squeezed into like a big pond or are they just swimming free in the lake? How much stuff do, do the salmon farmers put into the water to feed the salmon and make them big? All right. I mean, how are they catching the salmon? Are they using bears? You know, are they just placing bears at strategic locations so that whenever the salmon leap out of the water, the bears can grab them? And then, you know, they bring the bears over to uh, to deliver the salmon into big bags or something. I don't know. I mean, do, do the salmon still get to jump up rivers? You know the way salmon don't understand how rivers work? They're like swimming up the wrong direction. Do they still do that? I don't know. I do wonder about salmon fishing quite a lot, David. <laughs> About salmon vision. I do wonder about salmon vision quite a lot. Yeah. If you know, listeners, if you know anything about salmon fishing, then let me know. I'd love to know the conditions in which the salmon are kept, the methods by which they are fed and caught. Uh, Because I love salmon. I love eating salmon. And I kind of think... Every day I go to the supermarket, I see just loads of salmon, and I think, where's all this salmon coming from? Are they just catching wild salmon, or are they farming salmon? How do they catch the salmon? That's what I want to know. Um, so, of course, David Bowie's not really singing about salmon fishing. Uh, he's actually talking about sound and vision. Don't you wonder sometimes about sound and vision? Sound and vision. Of course, because he's an artist, isn't he? You know, he's, in, he's a postmodern artist. So he's interested in uh, sound and vision. Yeah, let's just have a little listen to that again. Don't you wonder sometimes about sound and vision? Sound and vision. Um... To be honest, I think about salmon fishing a bit more than I think about salmon sound and vision. Uh, because I need to know about the salmon, David. Yes, okay. Let's move on to another category, 
We're now going to move on to the category of food. We like food, don't we? Yes, we do, uh, including salmon and bread and cakes and, and biscuits. Yum, yum, yum. Now, um, Destiny's Child featuring Beyonce. This was the group that Beyonce was part of before she became just Beyonce. She was in Destiny's Child. And actually, I really like this this track. I don't know who produced it or whatever, but it is a good track. And uh, I'm talking about the song Bootylicious. And we're still on the subject of fish here. I don't know if it's salmon, but maybe it's a product that that is a it's like a byproduct of salmon fishing, maybe. And it sounds like in this song, Destiny's Child is singing that they're they're talking about fish jelly. Fish jelly. I don't know what fish jelly is really. I suppose it's a jelly that's made from fish in some way. It sounds a bit disgusting, doesn't it? And they're singing I don't think you're ready for fish jelly. I don't think you're ready for fish jelly. Are are you ready for fish jelly? Let's see. I mean, let's listen to uh, Destiny's Child as they sing about fish jelly. Here we go. Okay, here we go. By, By the way, it's not just the chorus that I don't understand. I don't understand any flipping words that... Destiny's Child are singing in this song at all. I mean, it's all complete gobbledygook to me. Just listen to this verse and just tell me if you understand even one word. I don't. Dance, okay. What? Better to the better forget that the scan of me. What? You could tangle me. I don't want to tangle you. But the better shit got to scandal me. Uh, what? I don't think you're ready for fish jelly. Got it? I'm not, to be honest, I'm not really ready for fish jelly. I think it sounds disgusting, all right? So, I mean, imagine you go around to someone's house. Let's say you go around to your friend's house and and their mom is cooking for you. And she's like, I'm going to make some really nice food for you. Now, let's have a starter. You ready for fish jelly? And you go, oh, God, why did I come here? I don't like fish jelly. I'm not ready for fish jelly, for example. Now, I'm not ready for fish jelly. I think it sounds horrible. Is that really what they're singing? Are you ready for fish jelly? I'm not ready for fish jelly. No, that's not what they're singing. Apparently, they're they're singing, I don't think you're ready for this jelly. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. Now, I still don't really know what that's that's about. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. I think they're basically saying, I don't think you're ready for my body, baby, because my body's too bootylicious for you. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. Um, no, I'm not really ready for that jelly, and I'm not ready for fish jelly either. Let's move on to the Rolling Stones. This is one of uh, my favourite songs by the Stones, and it's... Um, and it's lovely, this one, because Mick Jagger is 
it's one of those romantic songs where you know he's talking about how much he loves some some woman, uh, and it's so romantic because he's talking about the fact that. You know, you know when you say romantic things to someone and you, you want to tell them that you love them, you want to prove to them how much you love them, well, you would say, I, I will never leave you, I will, um, I will never break your heart, I will never let you down, um, I'll never, you know, I'll never abandon you. Uh, or maybe you might even go further, you know, if you, especially if you've run out of ideas, you know, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. I will never, uh, I, I'll, I'll never leave your washing in the washing machine too long after the cycle's finished so that it goes all smelly and weird. I'll, I'll never leave your washing in the washing machine for too long. Uh, what else? I will never use all the milk in your fridge and I'll never I'll never burn your pizza. If I cook a pizza for you, I'll never burn it. In fact, I'll never leave your pizza burning. I'll never leave your pizza burning. What a romantic song. Let's have a listen to Mick Jagger promising that he will never... Le- ever leave this girl's pizza to burn in the oven. I'll never leave your pizza burning. Yeah. How romantic, Mick Jagger. He'll never leave your pizza burning. That's a man, right? That is a romantic man, ladies. I think you'll agree. Um, No, that's not really what he's singing. He's actually singing, I'll never be your beast of burden. So I guess a beast of burden. We've already had the word burden, haven't we? To carry a burden, uh, to you know, to bear a cross, uh, to carry a burden. Well, he's saying, I'll never be your beast of burden, which is basically like saying, I will never be a burden to you. I'll never be something that you have to carry around that you don't really want, uh, which is a nice sentiment. But, you know, I also think it's important to promise to your partner that you will never burn their pizza or leave their pizza burning in the oven. Because you don't want to be with someone who's going to burn your pizza, do you? You know, especially if you've got your priorities in place. You want, uh, you know, you you want someone you can trust. You want someone you can laugh with. You want someone who's good in the bedroom. And you want someone who's never, ever going to leave your pizza burning. I think so. then let's move on to the next one and this is Paul Young who was a sort of a blue-eyed soul singer from the 80s a British guy and um, in this song he's remarking on the resourcefulness of one of his friends now um, I guess this is a song about uh, a friend who um, makes sure that that he never goes hungry especially if he's going to go on a little trip somewhere And Paul Young is singing about it. And it sounds like he's saying, every time you go away, you take a piece of meat with you. Every time you go away, you take a piece of meat with you, which is a good idea if you don't want to get hungry, isn't it?
Good idea. I think you'll agree, right? It's quite a resourceful move to take a piece of meat whenever you leave the house. Put some ham or maybe some beef in your pocket so that you don't go hungry. All right, never mind about fruit or veg or bread or one of the other food groups. Just a piece of meat is all you're going to need to snack on during the day. Um, So I agree with that. I think it's a good move. And well done, Paul, for bringing it to our attention. Uh, That's a good idea. You don't need a packed lunch. You don't need to bring an apple or anything else. Just a a simple piece of meat, maybe a dried piece of beef or some smoked ham. uh, And that's all you're going to need, isn't it? Yeah. Well, actually, he's not singing every time you go away, you take a piece of meat with you. (laughs) Of course not. No, he's actually singing every time you go away, you take a piece of me with you, which is another romantic sentiment, isn't it? It's like whenever you're the one you love goes away, then she or he, uh, whatever your preference is, is going to somehow take away a little bit of your heart with them too which they're going to then snack on during the day. Um, All right, let's move on to the next one. And so we're now going to move on to the category of people. So these song lyrics are all about people. And we're going to start with this classic. uh, This is a classic misheard lyric that you might have heard before. And this is Johnny Nash, which is one of those songs that everybody knows. Um, And uh, he's singing about, I can see clearly now Lorraine has gone. So apparently some girl called Lorraine has been standing around Uh, blocking his vision, blocking his viewpoint, and now she's gone, he can see clearly, and it's, it's such a great feeling that he's willing to write a song about it. Here's Johnny Nash saying, I can see clearly now Lorraine has gone. All right. So, yeah, I'm glad that Lorraine has gone because she had been standing in front of us for ages now, blocking our view, this amazing view that we've got here. I mean, it's no good if Lorraine is just standing right in front of you, is it? But uh, thankfully, she's now moved and we can see clearly now Lorraine has gone. <laughs> uh, no, what's, she, what's he actually singing? Did you get it? Of course, you know, it's because it's obvious, isn't it? It's not about Lorraine. Although it helps if Lorraine isn't standing directly in front of you and you're trying to look at something. Let's say, for example, you've gone on a a hike through the Peruvian jungle and you've finally arrived at Machu Picchu and uh, you want to have a good look at it. You're sitting at the top of the hill and it's like, let's now take in this amazing view of Machu Picchu, one of the wonders of the world. And Lorraine is just standing right in front of you going, selfie! And then you kind of like, oh, God, when is Lorraine going to go? And then you tell, you say to Lorraine, hey, Lorraine, you know, there's a gift shop down there. They sell chocolate bars and snacks. And Lorraine's like, really? And off she goes. And then you're like, and then you're glad that she's gone because you can now see clearly. And you start singing a lovely little song to celebrate. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. So obviously that's not what Johnny Nash is actually singing. He's actually singing, I can see clearly now the rain has gone. But you already knew that, didn't you? Yes, you did. Let's move on to Shakira, who uh, is undeniably a megastar of sort of crossover um, South American music into kind of the mainstream American pop charts. Um, Shakira, of course, famous for saying that her hips don't lie. 
And I've always wondered about that. How do your hips lie anyway? And uh, I mean, are your hips able to tell the truth anyway? Can your hips speak, Shakira? Not only can Shakira's hips somehow talk, I don't know what they're using as a mouth. I dread to think. But anyway, um, not only can Shakira's hips speak, but they also regularly tell the truth. They reliably tell the truth. I don't know what it is they're saying, like, these hips will support childbirth quite successfully. I don't know. Anyway, um, if you've got the answer to that question of what the hell Shakira was talking about when she said that her hips don't lie, just please let me know. Anyway, um, in this one, we're looking at uh, the song Underneath Your Clothes, which is a sort of a ballady, romantic uh, statement of love again. And um, in this song, it sounds to me like Shakira is serenading, like singing a love song to uh, a Teletubby. Right. You know the Teletubbies. Tinky Winky, La La, Dipsy Whipsy. Is it Dipsy Whipsy? Tinky Winky, La La and Poe. You know, the Teletubbies. So apparently in this song, Shakira has fallen in love with a Teletubby and this is her love song. This is her statement of, of romantic uh, intention towards one of the Teletubbies. I'm not sure which Teletubby it is, but uh, let's see. There's my Teletubby. All right, so which Teletubby is it that she's in love with? Is it Tinky Winky? Is it Lala? Is it Dipsy Whipsy? Is it Poe? Poe. Is that really his name? Just Poe. That's it. All the others have got double names, and he's just called Poe. I mean, what the hell? Also, what the hell do they have on their heads, for goodness sake, the Teletubbies? One of them's got a coat hanger on his head. Is that the scariest kids show ever? I think it might be. It's like some kind of dystopian post-apocalyptic future world in which people have become biomechanical mutants fused with television screens and they have to go inside regularly into bunkers in order to escape the radiation of the sun. And Shakira's in love with one of them. I'm not sure that that Poe or, or Lala is technically a man. I'm not sure if a Teletubby is a man. Uh, but she's going, underneath your clothes, there's the man I chose, there's my Teletubby. Um, so, yeah, she's taken one of the Teletubbies. She's claimed one of the Teletubbies as her own. Let's have a listen again. Yeah, she's in love with the Teletubby. I would imagine that um, women are more likely to be attracted to the Teletubby with the big long thing on the top of their head. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, Okay. Um, No, that's not what she's singing. She's actually singing, There's my territory. There's my territory. There's my territory. Like, meaning that's my property. That's the land that I own. Sorry, love, but he's not your territory. You don't own him, okay? You don't own him. Um, you can't own a, ter- a Teletubby, all right? They're already under intellectual property rights. The BBC are the priority property holders of the Teletubby franchise. So, sorry, that's not your Teletubby or your territory or any of those things. You don't own this. 
I don't think you're ready for fish jelly, Shakira. All right, let's move on to um, uh, a band that I really love, and that's the Foo Fighters. And this song is called Hero. And in this song, Dave Grohl, the singer of the Foo Fighters, my my old friend Dave Grohl, is um, describing his hero. And apparently this, this hero of his is odd and hairy. There goes my hero. He's odd and hairy. Odd, you know, means strange. So, I mean, you know, Dave Grohl is a, sort of an alternative rock musician, songwriter. He used to be the drummer in Nirvana. He's, he's part of the alternative music scene, pretty much. And so naturally, one of his heroes, he's not going to have conventional heroes, is he? He's going to have heroes that are a little bit different. In this case, they are unconventional in their appearance. So whoever he's singing about is a bit strange and is hairy. I wonder who that is. Anyway, let's listen to Dave Grohl singing about one of his heroes, who apparently is odd and hairy. He's odd and hairy. He's odd and hairy. Fair enough, Dave. Fair enough. You know what I mean? Because many of my heroes are odd and hairy as well. I think there's nothing wrong with being odd and hairy. In fact, in some cases, you know, it's it's kind of a good quality. If you think about it, a lot of people have a lot of good people in the past have been odd and hairy. Jesus was was a little bit odd and hairy, wasn't he? Certainly for the time. So was John Lennon and Bob Marley and Obi-Wan Kenobi and Chewbacca and Sasquatch and many other of the people that I look up to. In fact, Dave Grohl himself is rather odd and hairy too. So actually, I think there's nothing wrong with that lyric at all. I totally agree with that. I've always thought that Dave Grohl was singing about, you know, Sasquatch or something or some other person who he looks up to who's both odd and hairy. Yeah. So he's not actually singing he's odd and hairy. He's singing he's ordinary. Yeah, he's ordinary. So, in fact, not odd or hairy, just ordinary, just normal. There goes my hero. He's just an ordinary guy. Which means that I guess Dave Grohl is saying, you know, my hero, he's just like an ordinary guy. He's just an ordinary working guy. He's not some special guy. He's not a celebrity or anything. He's not a superhero. He's just John Smith who works in the factory. He's our hero because he's the man who builds America. He's ordinary, apparently. Okay, the next one is one of my favourites. And um, now this is a song that uh, has been around for a while now. And this is The Weather Girls. And um, now it sounds to me like The Weather Girls in this song have decided that they love men from Israel, okay? Now, if you're a man from Israel, if you're an Israeli man, then um, listen carefully because this is your song, okay? Uh, Because the Weather Girls are singing about you. They've decided that they love Israeli men. In fact, they love Israeli men so much that they are 
willing to sing about it again and again and again and again. Israeli men, they, they sing and shout in this song. Let's have a listen. All right. <laughs> what do you think? Israeli men? Now, wow, they really do love Israeli men, don't they? I wonder what is so great about Israeli men. What do they know about Israeli men that we don't know? I suppose it's not, you know, unfeasible that they, you know, really do love Israeli men when you think about it. You know, Israeli men are hardworking, they're good with money, they've got a sense of humour. So when you think about it, what's not to like about Israeli men? In fact, I totally get it. I love Israeli men as well. All right, Israeli men, amen. No, we all know that they're not singing about Israeli men. Unfortunately, they're not. It, it would be better if they were, but they're not. They're actually saying it's raining men. It's raining men, and they're delighted that it's raining men. Uh, so it's not raining cats and dogs in this case. No, it's in fact raining men, according to the the uh, the uh, weather girls. It's raining men. Now, is that really a reason to celebrate? If you imagine in your town or city or wherever you live, if it did start raining men, I don't think it would be a reason to celebrate, would it? Because, I mean, they're not dropping from the sky with erections. No, they're, they're dropping. To, they're not dropping down in order to sweep you off your feet, romance you, take you out for dinner and then penetrate you or something. I don't, I don't think so. I imagine if men are falling from the sky, there's going to be a lot of injuries, you know, maybe some fatalities. So stop singing and call an ambulance, okay? Because if it's if it's raining men, then, you know, I don't think they're going to be thinking about you as they're dropping from the sky. They're probably thinking about their... They're probably seeing their lives flash before their eyes. They're thinking about their wives and children, thinking about all the things that they, they've never done in their lives. They're not necessarily dropping from the sky thinking, I wonder if there are any single ladies in this town that we're about to land on. Um, just my ideas, just just a few thoughts there. Um, anyway, that was It's Raining Men uh, by the Weather Girls. Uh, next, we're going to hear from Olivia Newton-John. She was in the movie Grease. You know, have you seen that film, Grease? The one with um, John, uh, what was his name? John Travolta. Now, this is actually one of my favourite misheard lyrics. Uh, it sounds to me like Olivia Newton-John is getting serious in this song. And... Um, she needs a man. She she really needs a, a a man. She's feeling the need for a man. And so she's saying, you'd better shave Bob. You had better shave Bob because I need a man. Now, I don't know who Bob is. It sounds like he's a bit odd and hairy, to be honest. Because she's like, right, I need a man. So shave Bob. Get Bob shaved and ready for me because I need a man. Okay, you better shave Bob. <laughs> You better shave Bob because I need a man. Yeah. Now, this one's pretty quick. That's kind of the reason I like it. It's because it's so quick. But she's saying, you better shave Bob. Why Why do we need to shave Bob? Because I need a man. Ah, oh, right. Okay, we'll get Bob ready. We'll shave him up. We'll clean him up. And we'll get him ready for you. Did 
Did you catch that? You better shave, Bob, because I need a man. Right, so yeah, you better shave Bob. Now this um, this is one of my favourites. I think she really needs a man. So you better prepare Bob. Get Bob ready. Shave him. Grease him up. Uh, because she needs a man. Um, imagine, imagine her sort of turning up in your town, going right, everyone. You, I'm here and I'm horny. So you better shave Bob. Get Bob ready because I need a man. Um, that's not really what she's singing. She's actually singing, you better shape up. You better shape up, because I need a man. All right, let's hear that. You better shape up, which is a bit like saying you better improve yourself. You better, um, you know, uh, let's see. You better get yourself in the right state, right condition. You better fix your attitude you better man up um, and fi- yeah, fix your attitude and fix the way you live your life. You better shape up because she needs a man. All right. So she's demanding that John Travolta not only shaves Bob, maybe for some sort of weird kinky threesome with a Mexican monkey involved and a dead shark, but also she wants, you know, John Travolta to just shape up and just, you know, sort out his attitude. Okay. All right. How are you doing, listeners? You all right? Uh, you following this? Yeah. Do you know these songs? I hope that, um, well, actually, I hope that you will never be able to listen to these songs properly ever again. That's kind of my aim in this episode. I want to just infect you with these song lyrics so that when you hear a song, maybe in a pub or in a cafe or just, you know, on the radio, and you can turn to your friends and go, did, did you hear that? She's saying, you better shave Bob. And your friend goes, what on earth are you talking about, you weirdo? And you go, oh, you fool, you don't listen to Luke's English podcast. Anyway, Metallica are next. Metallica. Um, Now, this is a song called The God That Failed, which is a very serious number. The God That Failed by Metallica. And it sounds to me like in this song, um, they are singing about an actor, a British actor called Jimmy Nail. Now, you've probably never heard of Jimmy Nail. Uh, I wonder if I can find an interview with Jimmy Nail. Okay, I found a little bit of interview with Jimmy Nail. This is him on some American TV show with uh, Sting. You know Sting. Of course you know Sting. In Spain, they call him Esting. Anyway, Sting uh, from the police. Well, this is Jimmy Nail and Sting together because they're friends, you see, because they're from the same part of town. I think they're from Newcastle, both of them. Jimmy Nail is an actor who was on British television for many years. He's also a singer. Uh, and so here's a little bit of interview with Jimmy Nail, just so you can hear him. Live at the Public Theatre, Sting is here with us, as is the lead of the upcoming musical, The Last Ship. Please welcome Jimmy Nail. Hey, hey, Jimmy. So tell us about your friendship, the two of you. It's platonic. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it goes back, uh, I guess it goes back about 40 years, isn't it? It does. We're from the same town. Yeah, yeah. So you grew up together? No, 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 no. <laughs> well. No, we, we, uh, we were both playing in local bands at the same time in the 70s. Uh, so we kind of, you know, we, we, we were in the same vicinity. And then uh, we became pals about 30 years ago. Prop- Can you hear his accent? We, came, we became pals about 30 years ago. Because he's from Newcastle, you see, and they sort of speak a, a little bit like that in Newcastle. Um, not Sting, not so much, but certainly Jimmy Neal has got... That's part of his thing, isn't it? You know, he's, he sort of speaks in that Geordie 
voice. Anyway, that's Jimmy Nail. Just so you know that he exists. He's a thing. All right. Now, um, in this song by Metallica, it sounds like they're saying they're singing about how you got held back by Jimmy Nail on the garden rail. Held back by Jimmy Nail on the garden rail. Um, now, if you're held back by someone, you know, in, in a fight situation, if you want to punch someone and your friend is like, no, 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 you know, calm down, calm down. Your friend is holding you back, preventing you from going and attacking someone. That's to be held back by someone. In, f- in fact, in this case, held back by Jimmy Nail on the garden rail. Now, I wonder what the situation was in which that actually happened. Let's have a listen so you can hear the lyric. Held back by Jimmy Nail on the garden rail. Why were you being held back by Jimmy Nail? What was the situation in the garden? That was loud. Yeah. That was so loud at the beginning. I hope that didn't blow your head off. Held back by Jimmy Nail on the garden rail. That is another one of my favourites. I just love the idea that British actor and singer Jimmy Nail is holding you back on the garden rail as well, and that Metallica wrote a song about it. Now, why is Jimmy Nail holding you back and in the garden? Maybe there's been a family argument, maybe at a barbecue. You know, maybe you had a barbecue and you invited different members of the family around and it ended up in an argument. Maybe people drank too much. Maybe you got into an argument with your brother-in-law. Perhaps, you know, resentment, bitter feelings have been boiling over for some time and you just don't really like the way he talks to your wife or your sister or whatever. And at the barbecue... He got drunk and he started insulting the family and you just got furious because you'd had a few too many drinks too and you were just ready to punch his teeth down his throat. But Jimmy Nail was there, you know, and you know Jimmy Nail, he's a reasonable man. You know, Jimmy Nail's there to be reasonable and he held you back against the garden rail and talked you out of it in that nice soft Geordie accent he's got. Like, nah man, it's not worth it man, leave it man. You're just going to make your life more difficult man. Not now, anyway. Wait until later when the kids are asleep, man. Then we'll both we'll both punch his teeth down his throat. Then that was a Geordie accent, by the way. So that's I imagine that's what happened uh, here with the uh, situation involving Jimmy Nail holding you back on the garden rail. That's obviously what happened, right? Well, no, that's not really what Metallica is singing. They're saying, The healing hand held back by the deepened nail. Follow the God that failed. All right. So the healing hand held back by the deepened nail. Is this about Jesus? Serious, isn't it? It's all a bit... I prefer the Jimmy Nail storyline than this serious stuff about Jesus getting crucified. The healing hand, that's I suppose the hand of Jesus, held back by the deepened nail. Because you know Jesus had his hand nailed to the cross with like nails deep into his hand. Uh, Follow the God that failed. Apparently this is something to do with the way God failed. I don't know. Anyway, I prefer the Jimmy Nail thing, please. Metallica, can you stop being so serious? Can you write more songs about British actors? 
Thank you. Um, now, let's move on to um, another category, and that this category is called rude stuff. Rude stuff. So there might be a bit of rude things, as if there wasn't enough rude stuff in this episode already. We're now going to focus on particularly rude uh, content, okay? Right, so we start with the Moody Blues, who were a British band from the Midlands, and their song Question. And uh, this is a wistful song about some of the secrets of the world, like some of the unanswered questions, like, for example, um, questions that you might have about all sorts of things. Um, And it sounds to me like they are singing about the secret. You know, we can finally uncover the secret of assholes. The secret of assholes. That's what they're singing, don't you think? And learn as we grow old the secrets of assholes. Maybe when we are older and wiser, we will finally understand the secret of assholes. You know, like why do they smell so much? Why do they itch sometimes? And all the other secrets that they might contain. I think that it's a nice song, don't you think, that as we grow old, we can learn the secret of assholes. That's a nice thought, though, isn't it? That obviously, as you get older, there's there's the suggestion that life gets a little bit more difficult. There are possible health problems, memory loss. You don't have the sort of fitness that you had before. But, you know, with that old age, you get a kind of level of wisdom through experience. And maybe things that are mysterious to you now, later on, will you know, make more sense. Like, for example, all of those weird secrets, the things that you've never understood about your bum, about your asshole. Like, for example, why does it take so many... <laughs> why is it that sometimes when you go for a poo and you wipe your bum and there's nothing? Why is that? And then other times you wipe your bum and you can just never, ever, ever stop wiping your bum. Why? Maybe when we get older, we'll understand that. I hope so. If you if you believe the Moody Blues, then that will be the case. But no, in fact, disappointingly enough, that is not what they're singing. They're actually singing the secret of our souls. We'll learn as we grow old the secret of our souls. Yes. All right, that was the Moody Blues. Now, next, we have the White Stripes. You know the White Stripes. The brother and sister. The brother played the guitar and sang. The sister played the drums and didn't really do anything else. Um, Now, this is a track called Blue Orchid. And it sounds like Jack Black is accusing you, accusing you of getting an erection. Like, you got an erection. You got an erection, didn't you? Like that. Like, he's accusing you of getting an erection. Let's have a listen. You got a reaction. You got a reaction, didn't you? You got an erection. You got an erection, didn't you? Now, what's the situation here? It sounds to me like an argument. 
right? Like maybe Jack White is a little bit jealous. Maybe he's questioning whether you fancy his sister, you know, because I expect he's quite protective of his sister. So what was the situation in which Jack Black's accusing you, Jack Black? No, Jack White, in which Jack White is accusing you of having an erection. Maybe this is what happened. Maybe you were at band practice with Meg and Jack. You were there at band practice and Meg was on the drums as usual. And well, you know, Meg, Meg from the White Stripes, she's, how can I describe it? She's quite, she's quite kind of jiggly, isn't she? She's, She's a bit jiggly, a bit bouncy and a bit jiggly when she's on the drums. Do you know what I mean? She's quite, she's quite generous as a drummer and as a woman if you know what I mean. All right. Do you know what I mean? Basically, what I'm trying to say, she's got big tits. Okay. So, uh, you know, she's got big boobies. And when she's drumming, they they bounce around in a slightly provocative way. You might have noticed that from videos of the White Stripes when they performed, that Meg, one of the attractive features of Meg White, is not just the fact that she seems like a nice person, and she's quite creative in an unconventional way on the drums, but also, I quite like uh, her boobs. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? I'm a, I'm only a human man after all. Anyway, um, so you fancy Meg and you're at band practice and she's all jiggly and you've had a beer or two and so you're starting to feel a little bit excited or something and Jack says to, says to you, hey man, you want to play bass? He invites you to play bass and you really do want to play bass and he knows that you want to play bass but instead you're like, no man, no, I think I'll just stay sitting here I think I'm just going to stay here sitting down on the sofa for a little while. I don't really want to play bass right now. And he looks at his sister Meg and he and and then he he looks back at you and he says, "What the fuck, dude? We need a bass player. You play bass? You were just saying yesterday how much you can't wait to play bass. And now you're just sitting there the whole time just watching. Do you want to play bass or what?" That's my American accent. So he's like, "Do you want to play bass or what? You're just going to sit there?" And then you look at Meg for a moment again, and then you look back at him. It's a bit awkward, and you're still feeling a little uncomfortable in the trouser department. And you say to him, "No, no it's all right, man. It's okay. I'll I'll play bass a little bit later. Just I just fancy sitting here for a few minutes, and then I'll play bass, okay?" And Jack seems a bit pissed off, but you know they carry on playing, and Meg keeps playing on the drums. And every now and then she looks at you, and she kind of smiles at you. And you definitely can't stand up now because Meg smiled at you and she knows and you know and Jack knows what's going on and you still can't stand up because of what's going on in your trousers and everyone in the room is is aware of it. No one's saying it. And then after band practice, after Meg has left and she's gone and you and Jack are in the pub and Jack says to you, dude, what the fuck, man? You didn't play bass earlier. You just stayed in your seat, just staring at my sister. It was just, it was so, it was so awkward. And you say, yeah, whatever, man. I just wasn't feeling like it, you know? And he was like, look, you, it was obvious. You stayed sitting on that sofa the whole time and you kept looking at Meg while she was playing drums. And I know what she's like when she's playing drums. I might be her brother, but you know, I've noticed. And then his eyes widened. Jack Jack White's looking at you and he suddenly realises something and he says to you, you got an erection. You got an erection, didn't you? I knew it, you bastard. You fancy my sister. Right, you're out of the band. 
And that's how you get chucked out of the white stripes. I'm sure that that's what happened. And that's probably the, inf- um, the uh, inspiration for this song. And, and that's also why they still don't have a bass player, I expect. You got an erection. You got an erection. <laughs> so maybe um, what happens is you, after this incident, later on the White Stripes become famous, and one day you're just watching MTV, and then Jack White and his attractive sister Meg are uh, on MTV singing this bloody song. You got an erection. And you're thinking, what? Ah, oh, they've made a song about it. And while you're watching the video, you can't help but notice that Meg is still jiggling while she's playing the drums. And you're like, oh, my God, I got an erection again. Oh, what am I going to do? Okay, actually, what he's singing is, you got a reaction. You got a reaction, dude. You got... Um, Next is Nirvana. We know about Nirvana, right? Of course we do. Great band. Absolutely brilliant group. And I'm afraid this song is also about um, your private parts, if you're a man. That's right, you're, you're, you're Johnson, you're uh, John Thomas, you're, you're um, you know, you're, uh, your penis, you're, you're Willie, you're Willie. Let's call it a Willie, all right? Now, um, it sounds to me like Nirvana was singing about, uh, 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 well, Kurt Cobain was singing about his Willie. Tell me if you think that here in this lyric, Kurt Cobain is saying, I'm so horny, but that's okay because my willy's good. Tell me what you think. All right, hold on. I need to find the right part of the track. Here we go. I'm so horny. That's okay. My willy's good. I'm so horny, but that's okay. My willy's good. Really? He's pleased that his willy's okay, isn't he? Now, I relate to this because, you know, sometimes it's a bit difficult when you're turned on, you know, when you're feeling a bit excited. Uh, like, for example, in the last situation in which you got an erection at a White Stripes band practice and Jack White chucked you out of the band because, you know, he doesn't want you to have sexual feelings towards his sister and be in the band at the same time. So sometimes it's a bit difficult when you're feeling turned on, you know. But sometimes when you're with a girl and you're on your own and you're feeling horny together, it can, for the man anyway, it can get a little bit embarrassing, if I'm honest. You know, when you, you're, you're certain that you're going to get it on, you're certain that you're about to, you know, um, get jiggy with it, you know that it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to happen in the bedroom. Sometimes, as a man, you might start to worry about the act. You might start to worry about performing. You know, you might worry about the performance. You might think to yourself, I hope I'm able to do this all right, because I'm really feeling horny. I hope, I'm, hope this is not going to be embarrassing. I hope that I'm going to be able to do this. I hope I'll perform well, I hope I don't have any problems in the trouser department. 
But then you think to yourself, oh, that's okay, because my willy's good. Now, if your willy is good, it's probably a relief to realise that, isn't it? And apparently that was the situation with Kurt Cobain. He was so inspired by this this feeling of doubt. Like, oh, I'm so horny, but uh, that's okay, because my willy's good. I'm sure everything's going to be okay. You know, I've always related to Kurt Cobain in so many ways. Let's hear him singing again about how his willy is is good and how that's, you know, not a problem in a sort of in a bedroom situation. I'm not sure I'm so excited I can't wait to meet you there I don't care I'm so horny That's okay, my will is good Yeah! Yeah! Okay. Uh, no, that's not what he's singing. He's actually saying, that's okay, my will is good. My will is good. You know, like your willpower, your strength of mind. Not not my willy's good, but my will is good. Maybe his willy's good as well. I, I don't know. I, I've ne- I, I don't know about his willy. I haven't read his book. Um, I don't know. But um, anyway, his will is good. Okay, now let's move on to a new category. And this category is about smoking weed. Smoking marijuana, smoking cannabis, pot, whatever you want to call it, smoking weed. Uh, I've got two songs that appear to be about smoking weed. The first one is Fleetwood Mac, who were a group that were quite well known for their consumption of drugs. And uh, in this song, it sounds like they are letting us know that you don't need to meet with dodgy drug dealers in order to buy your grass. You can actually grow it yourself. So according to Fleetwood Mac, you can grow your own weed. You can grow your own weed, apparently. Let's have a listen to that. You can grow your own weed? Really? You can grow your own weed, apparently, according to Fleetwood Mac. Now, while technically you may actually be able to grow your own weed, you probably shouldn't because it's illegal. And also it's hard to get good results. You know, you need the right seed varieties. You need plenty of sunlight and all that sort of thing. So, you know, you might be able to grow your own weed if you live in California or something. But, you know, if you live in another part of the world, I don't recommend it. And generally, anyway, kids... Don't do drugs, kids, okay? Don't do drugs. Um, You can grow your own weed, though, apparently. Um, Maybe not to smoke, you know, because you can use weed for other things. Like, you can use it to make... What? You can use it to make hemp. Uh, Yeah? All right. But anyway, apparently you can grow your own weed. You can grow your own weed, but no, that's not what they're singing. Of course, they're singing, you can go your own way. You can go your own way. Like, you know, you can do whatever you want to do, man. You don't have to follow everyone else. You can go your own way. And maybe you can grow your own weed as well if you're resourceful enough and if it complies with the law. Check the law with your local government body before you choose to grow any illegal uh, uh, plants, okay? You can grow your own weed and then maybe a little asterisk and under it would say, depending on the laws that apply to the region in which you're living. 
So, you know, in the state of California, yes, you can grow your own weed. Okay. Now, the next one is the Beatles. And um, it sounds like in this song, the Beatles were singing, I get high. I get high. And this song was, I believe, recorded in 1963 or 1964. And because I know... Uh, I know I do know a bit about the Beatles. Um, I know that they didn't start smoking weed until, like you know, nineteen until late nineteen sixty four, early nineteen sixty five. So when this song was recorded, they hadn't started getting high at that point. Um, so this is not an anthem about uh, smoking herb. Um, no, it's not. But it sounds like they're singing "I Get High," and in fact, there is a whole story about this song that relates to the first time the Beatles did get high. So I'm going to tell you a Beatles story in a moment. But let's sing, let's hear the Beatles in this song called I Want to Hold Your Hand. Let's hear the Beatles singing about how they get high. And when I touch you, I feel happy inside. It's such a feeling that my love I get high. Apparently, they get high. Now, when the Beatles first met Bob Dylan, who we met earlier in this episode, um, Bob was convinced that they smoked weed. He was sure that they smoked weed because he thought that um, they were singing, I get high. In fact, they weren't singing, I get high. They're singing, I can't hide. I can't hide. I can't hide. I can't hide. But it sounds like, I get high. I get high. All right. All right. Um, yeah, you got that something. So Bob Dylan was like, hey, you guys smoke weed, right? And they're like, "We well, you know, we don't smoke weed. What are you talking about, Bob? And Bob was like, yeah, but, you know, you wrote that song about how you get high. And like, no, Bob, that was, a, that was a, I can't hide. And then Bob Dylan was like, wait a minute. So you're telling me that you guys have never smoked weed? And they're like, no, we've never smoked weed in our lives. We just like to drink rum and Coke, thanks. And at that point, they then... Um, apparently got together in the Beatles hotel room and Bob Dylan produced a big bag of grass and they started smoking weed for the first time. And it, it basically Bob Dylan introduced them to, to ganja. Okay. And uh, apparently it was quite a funny story and they all smoked weed and they all got really, really high and uh, they didn't know what was going on. And apparently Paul McCartney thought that he'd found the answer to life, the universe and everything. And he, he apparently said to his road manager, Mal, 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 write this down, write this down. I've found it. I've got it. I've got the meaning of life. And um, apparently the next day when they all woke up and they felt normal, Paul was like, hey, Mal, have you got that note that I asked you to write last night? And they found the note. And apparently on the note, it said, there are seven levels. Mm. So apparently uh, they did get high. And Paul discovered that there are seven levels. I'm sure that was very meaningful at the time. But with hindsight, there are seven levels. Doesn't really mean that much. But it's quite a good story, isn't it? So that was the Beatles. Now, let's have the final section. And I've got a few more song song lyrics to play you. Next one is, uh, well, this next section is just random stuff. So we've had animals and uh, we've had uh, people and food and drugs and sex and now just random things. Now, here is Dido. Remember Dido? Sort of like um, 
white blonde English girl who sang fairly tame, mild, uh, uh, easy listening songs. This is from a song called White Flag. And in this one, Dido is promising us that she won't poke her eyes out and surrender. I won't poke my eyes out and surrender. Now, it's not really necessary, Dido. No one is expecting you to poke your eyes out. If you poke your eyes out, it could be that you like put your fingers in your eyes and pull your eyes out and then surrender. Like, put your hands up. Like, I surrender. I surrender. Look, I've poked my eyes out <laughs> and I'm surrendering. I won't poke my eyes out and surrender, apparently. Let's have a listen. Here we go. But I will go down with this shit And I won't put my hands out and surrender Right? I won't poke my eyes out and surrender And I won't put my hands out and surrender I won't poke my eyes out and surrender No, don't worry, Dido. You don't have to poke your eyes out. I mean, you can surrender, of course, if there's like a hostage situation. Yeah, you can surrender. You don't need to poke your eyes out. Nobody's asking you to do that. Uh, But that's really, that's not what she's singing, of course. No, she's saying, I won't put my hands up. I won't put my hands up and surrender. I I prefer the, the, the line about her poking her eyes out and surrendering, though, to be honest. I think it's just a little bit more inventive. Okay, all right. So um, next we've got NSYNC. Remember them? You know Justin Timberlake? He used to be in this group called NSYNC. And in this song, uh, they appear to be like describing a date. And like, you know, when's the party going to be? It's going to be May. It's going to be May, apparently. So I don't know what it is that's going to happen in May, but uh, this is it. So it's going to be May. All right. It's gonna be May. It's gonna be May. Yep. It's gonna be May. Um. Okay. So, what's what are they singing about? Hey. So, Justin, when's the uh, when's the wedding gonna be? It's gonna be May. All right. Cool. Cool. What about um, when's the beginning of spring this year, Justin? It's gonna be May. May. So it's it's arriving quite late then. Okay. Hey, Justin, what month is it going to be after April this year? What what month is going to come after April uh, this year? It's going to be May. All right. So May. So just the same as usual then. Okay. So no, that's they're not singing it's going to be May. They're singing it's going to be me. But for some reason, they have to sing it in that way. It's going to be May. You mean it's going to be me? Uh-huh. All right. That's enough of that. Um, Kings of Leon. Kings of Leon. What happened to the Kings of Leon? Are they still making music? I don't know. But anyway, this is probably their biggest hit. And in this song, it sounds as if they are celebrating the fact that it sounds like they're saying dyslexics on fire. Dyslexics. You know what a dyslexic is? If you have dyslexia or if you are a dyslexic, it means that you have trouble sort of spelling and reading words. It's a, it's a, I think it's just a, a problem that a lot of people have and it means that they find it difficult to identify words and, and spell words. Very common thing. It's a learning disability, dyslexia, dyslexics. In this song, it seems that the Kings of Leon have taken a rather intolerant approach to dyslexics. And in fact, they're celebrating the fact that 
but they're, they're celebrating the fact that dyslexics are on fire. So, woo, dyslexics on fire. It's a very unpolitically correct song. Dyslexics on fire. Oh my God, the dyslexics are on fire. Quick, put them out. Put them out. Get some water. Roll around on the ground. Who set fire to the dyslexics? Why would you do that? I mean, just because they have trouble spelling, it doesn't mean that you should set fire to them. No, of course you shouldn't set fire to anyone, even dyslexic people, okay? Where did you learn that? kind of a tragic song, isn't it? It's like, oh, the pain of dyslexics on fire. Don't do that to the dyslexics. There's a way of dealing with language uh, or uh, learning disabilities. You don't just set fire to someone who's dyslexic, for goodness sake. Or maybe... Maybe it's more like a celebration that um, dyslexics are just so hot right now. Like, everyone wants to be a dyslexic. Like, it's the really the great time to be dyslexic at the moment. Like, so many of the biggest achievers in the world are dyslexic. You know, the dyslexics are really on fire at the moment. No, that's not really what they're singing. They're actually singing, this sex is on fire. And I don't really understand what that means either. If your sex is on fire, like, bloody hell, what, we've been going too fast? You haven't been using enough lubrication? You know, can you smell burning? Oh, shit, my sex is on fire. Quick, go put it out. Yes, all right. Uh, two more songs to go. Here comes Def Leppard with their song Put Some Sugar On Me. And, I mean, I'm pretty sure this was recorded in, in the 80s. But in this song, it appears that Def Leppard were singing about having an iPhone. Tell me if you think that the singer is saying, living like a lover with a red eye phone. Living like a lover with a red eye phone. How did they have iPhones back in the 80s? And why does having a red eye phone make you a lover? You know, living like a lover with a red eye phone. All right. Well, no, actually, they're singing living like a lover with a radar phone, which to me makes less sense. What is a radar phone? I suppose this is a early form of mobile phone in the uh, in the 80s. Living like a lover with a radar phone. I don't get it, to be honest. I think it makes more sense that they are living like a lover with a red iPhone. Um, all right. And then the final song in this silly episode is by Macy Gray. Remember Macy Gray? She was like a soul singer from the 90s. Macy Gray. Again, I don't know what happened to her. I suppose she made loads of money and she just pissed off somewhere. Anyway, um, in this song, Macy Gray is singing about, she's admitting to like a weird fetish that she has, which is that when you're not here, she likes to wear goggles. Fair enough, Macy. I'm not going to judge you. And well done for being brave enough to admit it. 
that when I'm not here, you wear goggles. Now, do you know what goggles are? You know, if you're going swimming, you might need to put on a pair of goggles so you can see under the water. Or if you're doing some some like drilling or some some you know um, some work in a in a uh, workshop. You know, maybe you're cutting wood or you're you know, drilling metal or, or something like that, some metal work, you need to wear some plastic goggles to protect your eyes. So that's normally how goggles are used. But it seems that Macy Gray, when no one else is around, she likes to wear goggles when, when no one is there. It's, you know, it's quite a thing to admit, isn't it? You know, when you're not around, I wore goggles, you know? Like, why why have you been doing that, Macy? Is that like a fetish or something? And to be honest, it wasn't that clear to me that you had been wearing goggles when I wasn't around. You know, you say it's clear, right? It's clear. Though I try to hide it, it's clear I wore goggles when you are not here. To be honest, it wasn't that obvious to me, you know. I didn't notice the marks. I didn't see that there were marks around your head and eyes. No, well, okay, fair enough. I did see the marks around your face, like these marks around your head and eyes, like lines in your skin. That now I think about it, they do look a bit like the outline of a pair of goggles. But, you know, I just thought that you were weird looking. I thought you were just getting old. You know, that's all it was. I thought that you just had a weird face. I didn't assume that you'd immediately putting on a pair of goggles when um, when I wasn't there. Uh, strange habits that people have, don't you think? Hitting with each other with pet sharks and wearing goggles and stuff. All right. So, in fact, she's saying, my world crumbles when you're not here. Oh, my world crumbles. So, if something crumbles, it means it sort of like uh, falls to pieces. Like an old building might crumble, like, you know, fall to pieces. Or a biscuit. If you have a biscuit and you put it in your pocket all day, in your back pocket, and you're riding around a bi- on a bicycle all day, and you realise, oh, God, I put a biscuit in my back pocket. I've got a piece of meat in my left pocket and I've got a biscuit in my right pocket and you realise that the biscuit has crumbled during the day. Right, that's what the word crumble means. So apparently her her world crumbles when you're not here. Oh, that's quite sweet, isn't it? Okay, so there you go. That's another uh, silly episode about mishearing song lyrics. Um, are you still with me, ladies and gents? Are you still there? I hope so. I hope that you've enjoyed this. It's just, just been a chance to mess around and have some fun. Now, if you know of any other song lyrics that uh, people mishear, if you mishear song lyrics sometimes, um, if you know any good Mondegreens, then, of course, you can share them in the comments section of this uh, episode. Just go to teacherluke.co.uk um, and find the page for this episode and then just leave your comments below. Okay, And don't forget, you can find all the track names for these songs and uh, the real lyrics and everything on the page for this episode. So do check it out. And also let me remind you, if you want to practice your spoken English, uh, the best way to do it is to speak directly to native speakers in a one-to-one situation. How do you do that? If you don't have any native speakers around, maybe you don't have one in your cupboard or something, you know, um, if you don't have access to native speakers, to be honest, you really shouldn't keep anyone in your cupboard unless they want to be in there. 
But anyway, you might not be lucky enough to to have a native speaker in the cupboard. Um, so you know what you can do? You can just go to italki, which is this really cool service that allows you to uh, connect with native speakers. Uh, some of them are qualified teachers. Some of them are just uh, educated native speakers. And you can talk to them and really practice and develop your spoken English fluency. And, you know, if you're thinking about subjects to talk about in your sessions, why not talk about songs, music, song lyrics, and, um, you know, how you feel about song lyrics. So you could, you know, choose to bring in a song and look at the lyrics and just kind of um, talk about what you feel the song really means. It doesn't have to be about misheard lyrics. It can just be about analysing and discussing the lyrics to your favourite song. There's an, there's an idea of what you could use as the basis for a conversation. Um, OK, if, you, if you're if you interested in using italki, don't forget that you can get um, $10 worth of free lessons uh, when you make a purchase. So just go to teacherloop.co.uk forward slash talk. Uh, and then when you make a purchase, italki will give you 100 italki credits free. Okay, right. So thanks for listening again. And uh, I'll speak to you again soon. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed all the things that have happened in this episode, like hitting each other with a pet shark and rubbing a Mexican monkey and uh, growing your own weed and all the other myriad things that uh, we've achieved in this episode. I'll speak to you again soon. Thanks a lot for listening. Goodbye. Bye, bye, bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.